promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. I'm a wonderful person. Psalm 123. To you I lift up my eyes, to you enthroned in the heavens. As the eyes of servants look to the hand of their masters and the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to you, O Lord, our God, until you show us your mercy. Have mercy upon us, O Lord. Have mercy, for we have had more than enough of contempt. Too much of the scorn of the indolent rich and of the derision of the proud. Amen. Reading from Ezekiel chapter 14, beginning at the 12th verse. And the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, when a land sins against me by acting faithlessly, and I stretch out my hand against it and break its supply of bread and send famine upon it and cut off from it man and beast, even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they would deliver but their own lives by their righteousness, declares the Lord God. If I cause wild beasts to pass through the land, and they ravage it, and it be made desolate, so that no one may pass through because of the beasts, even if these three men were in it, as I live, declares the Lord God, they would deliver neither sons nor daughters. They alone would be delivered, but the land would be desolate. Or if I bring a sword upon that land, and say, let a sword pass through the land, and I cut off from it man and beast, Though these three men were in it, as I live, declares the Lord God, they would deliver neither sons nor daughters, but they alone would be delivered. Or if I send a pestilence into that land and pour out my wrath upon it with blood to cut off from it man and beast, even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, declares the Lord God, they would deliver neither son nor daughter. They would deliver but their own lives by their righteousness. For thus says the Lord God, how much more when I send upon Jerusalem my four disastrous acts of judgment, sword, famine, wild beasts, and pestilence, to cut off from it man and beast. But behold, some survivors will be left in it, sons and daughters who will be brought out. Behold, when they come out to you and you see their ways and their deeds, you will be consoled for the disaster that I have brought upon Jerusalem, for all that I have brought upon it. They will console you when you see their ways and their deeds, and you shall know that I have not done without cause all that I have done in it, declares the Lord God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, apologies for this coming out later than than normal. My family and I were on a little bit of a uh, brief vacation. Normally these come out on Monday mornings, and this is not Monday morning, is it? Um but this reading seems fitting for actually what has happened this last week with the shooting in Nashville and other shootings that keep happening around the country and and the fears and the anger and the hatred that just boils up 
in our society on both sides of the aisle, both political perspectives, both sets of, of, of doctrines that we create for ourselves are just absurd on both sides. Uh, one side holding to uh, particular, uh, particular things and, and another side holding to those particular things, believing that somehow we can fix uh, issues in, in our own country when the reality is, is that's what, what is happening in our country is we have people crying out for a new creation to come. And we weep and we mourn with the families who lost, lost loved ones, including the family who lost, lost a child, uh, the, the family of the perpetrator. Um, I, I can't imagine as a parent to sit there and wonder how much they possibly are thinking it's their fault in a way that somehow they did something wrong. And, and yet to, to know of, of sins that come, sins that come to us, that happen upon us, that, that the, the pains that we can cause one another, whether it was pain that caused this young person to pick up a gun and enter a school and a church and to kill people, sin, hatred, whatever it might be, to, to think of the struggle that that person was going through and, th- and then uh, to, to have the pain and the heartache of the parents and the children who lost their lives. And, and we still don't even know enough of what we should know, right? But it's, it's fitting with this reading this week because this reading is all about personal responsibility, whether we, whether we want to see it as that or not. It, it's, it's about the reality of we cannot rest on the righteousness of other people. We cannot rest on thinking, well, if other people would just do such and such, then everything would be okay. Because that's what is happening here with, with the people in Judah and people in in Jerusalem specifically. They've been acting faithlessly, it says, and and here you have you have um, God basically stretching out his hand and bringing upon the people of, of Jerusalem the curses that he talks about uh, in Leviticus 26 with, with famine and wild beasts and sword and pestilence, all these curses that will come down on the nation if they don't listen, if they don't follow the covenant. And, and it's almost uh, akin to Abraham and his negotiation with Sodom. Well, if you find just 40 righteous people, will you destroy the city? No. How about 30? No. How about 20? No. How about 10? No, I won't destroy the city if I find 10 righteous. And what ends up happening? <laughs> He doesn't even find 10 righteous people. And here there's this argument of, well, we're the chosen people. We're the people of God. We're we're the people in the right. We are the righteous ones. How how could God turn against us? We are the people descended from Noah. We are the people that Daniel came from. We are the people that cling to the story of Job, the greatest man of the East who trusted God when the lights went out. 
How how could God be punishing us, and yet what comes but God's punishment? The truth is, church, you can't rest on the righteousness of of your parents, the righteousness of your grandparents, of your children. It comes down to us as who we are and what it is that we do. And the gloriousness of Jesus Christ is the fact that he fills the absolute role that Noah, Daniel, and Job could not. It is his righteousness that God looks to for our salvation. It's his righteousness that comes to bring about a new creation in all the world. That there was not going to be a new creation because of any sort of goodness in Noah, Daniel, or Job. But there is a new creation that comes from the Creator, from the Word that was spoken from the beginning of time, who came to earth in the flesh to die and rise, that He might be the first fruits of a new creation for us to make all things new, even if we don't see it just, just yet. But in the meantime, what it does come down to for us is that we cannot rest on the fact that grandma went to church or that mom goes to church for us or that we learned these stories or whatnot. It comes down to this Christ being your Christ, this, this God being, being your, your God. That's what it, what it comes down to above all, all else. And so it is here that we have all these different, these different curses, plagues, whatever you want to call them, that come to the people. And he continually, the Lord continually says that regardless of the fact that Noah, Daniel, and Job were to exist, they wouldn't be able to save even their sons or daughters. Because the sons or daughters' sins are not Noah, Job, or Daniel's sins. And, and so it, it destroys this myth of the Christian nation. I know this is not going to be popular with some of you listening right now. Some of you of my uh, more conservative uh, American evangelical types, but uh, it destroys this notion that we can create somehow a Christian nation, somehow a righteous nation, somehow a nation in which God is going to bless because we do this thing or that thing, because we put the 10 commandments in courtrooms. How's that going to change anything? Uh, If a criminal is coming to court He's already broken the Ten Commandments, more than likely. So having them at the court is just going to push it in his face that, yeah, you broke the law, right? Or, or uh, prayer in school. Uh, that, that's another huge issue, like prayer. Like, or why? Because it's just going to be this rote prayer. It's going to be this obligation prayer. It's going to be this, well, we're going to, we pray in school because that's what a righteous nation is supposed to do. And it's just a rekindling of everything that was happening in Judah and Jerusalem. Or if we want to break it down to the more minute things, uh, the, the, the more, more uh, individualistic things that I see as a pastor, the amount of times that I've had people come into the church wanting help from the church with gas money or a hotel room or whatnot, and their response is, well, I was confirmed at this church. As though somehow we're supposed to bow down and go, oh, you were confirmed here? Oh, I don't know you from Adam, 
I, I, I've never seen you attend services here, but, oh, you were confirmed here. Oh yes. Let me, let me fall over myself to make sure that you're okay. See, that's not how this works at all. That's not how any of this works or should work. It, it, it can't work that way. What ends up needing to happen is that we have to realize uh, that that it, it is not connection. Can, our, our salvation, our, our connection to God is not connected to any of these things that we somehow believe to be these out, outward sources of righteousness, that somehow we can save ourselves through these things that we do. Or uh, the, uh, another one, the, the, uh, I, I prayed the prayer. That's great. You prayed the prayer. Tell me about Jesus. It's like Bo Gertz, uh, a, a, a Swedish theologian, wrote the book, The Hammer of God. If you can find it, Hammer of God, you should read it. Bo, B-O, and Gertz, G-I-E-R-T-Z. Uh, but uh, in some of his other writings, he talks about how faith in your faith is nothing. Our faith is placed in a man, Jesus Christ. And so when your faith is failing, you need to be thinking about what Jesus Christ has done for you, not what you think or are able to do for yourselves. This this throws out not only the Christian nation, but also the resume Christians as though we keep this tally. Well, I had perfect attendance at Sunday school or or any of these other things that we can do to, to list these things off. There is, uh, in, in other words, there's no cronyism in Christianity. You are not going to be saved because grandma or grandpa went to church. You are not redeemed because mom or dad uh, had you baptized. You are redeemed because of the promise of God given to you in your baptism, and it is yours. It is not grandma or grandpa's moms or dads. It's, it's, It's the point that I make at confirmation every single year. Confirmation is not somehow the church confirming that this person knows their stuff, that they know all the information. Confirmation is them moving from God saying, I am your God, to them saying, God is my God, that I have a God and he loves me and he gave himself up for me in Jesus Christ, that this God is for you not just for grandma or grandpa or mom or dad, but for me. It's why I continually hear in Ezekiel 14, we continually hear he, he, they would neither deliver sons nor daughters, meaning the kids of Job and Daniel and Noah are not going to be saved, redeemed, rescued, freed from sin and death because of their daddies. The things are going to fall at our feet. Well, just a note on this last section. For thus says the Lord God, how much more when I send upon Jerusalem my four disastrous acts of judgment, sword, famine, wild beasts, and pestilence to cut off from it man and beast. But behold, and this is actually comes as, as both law and gospel, but I think more gospel. Some survivors will be left in it, meaning there's mercy and grace here. But what is there going to be their purpose? sons and daughters who will be brought out, meaning God is going to save these sons and daughters from the punishment, from the death that's coming from these things. Behold, when they come out to you and you see their ways and their deeds, in other words, their sins, you'll be consoled for the disaster that I've brought upon Jerusalem for all that I've brought upon it. 
that 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 the sins that the reasons for what God has done will be will be brought to bear will be brought in front of us they will console you when you see their ways and their deeds and you shall know that I have not done without cause all that I have done in it declares the Lord God in other words saying you're, you're going to step back and go oh that's why that's why all of this happened and that church is for us to to sit here and have to not only realize that Jesus is for you and and that there is no possibility of of thinking that uh, somehow uh, we can can avoid the gates of Hades and make it to the pearly gates and St. Peter is going to look back and go oh you have a great genealogy welcome in no it, it's about i plead Christ and only Christ I plead his blood and only his blood. I beg your mercies, only your mercies, Lord. Those are the things that we bring forward. Those are the things that we have to offer up of of ourselves. The only thing that we have is the blood of Jesus Christ to to save us. But then also, this last section shows to us how we need to take ownership of our sins. We need to take ownership of these things. We can't pass the buck. We can't just say, well, it's not my fault. It was my upbringing. Or it's it's not my fault. It was my parents. It's not my fault. It's society. It's not my fault. It's the government. It's not my fault. It's the laws. It's not my fault. It's, it's, it's what, whatever it's going to be. We, we can't be doing that. Instead, what it does is it calls for us to sit here and say, it's all of us. It's all of our faults. Jesus Christ went to the cross because of our sin, because of the sinfulness of all of humanity. He went there. And you can't sit here and pretend that your sins were not with him on that cross, for they were. But it was there that they went to die. They were buried in that tomb and they were left there and he rose, leaving them behind. That, so that he might make a new creation a new life, even though you don't see it, even though you don't feel it right now, that he might make all things new, including you. And that is what here that that Ezekiel is getting at as he's saying, "There's, there's nothing that we can hold on to of ourselves, but the righteousness that is going to come, eventually Ezekiel is going to be talking about it, is the work of God on our behalf. And that is the joy that we cling to knowing that all the times that I basically, for lack of better words, F it up, God comes to me and he redeems me and he forgives me and he saves me. Let's cling to that church. Let us pray. Almighty God, your son came into the world to free us all from sin and death. Breathe upon us the power of your spirit that we may be raised to new life in Christ and serve you in righteousness all our days. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, church, blessings and peace to you this next week that we're coming up to is Holy Week. And we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to be stepping back from Ezekiel for right now. uh, And I'm going to be posting every day. And all that posting is going to be is a psalm and then a reading of part of the passion narrative that that we might be 
be slowly going through this passion narrative as we make our way to the cross with Christ. It is the most important week in all of Christianity, and we need to celebrate it, but also make it central to, to the rhythms of our life over this next, next week, clinging to what it is that God has done for us in Jesus. Continue to share this with others, and I hope to, uh, to speak with you again, God willing. Go in peace, serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you.